Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Well, we got a barn burner this morning, but it's the Word of God. So that's one thing about teaching the Bible expositionally is that you go through the Bible. And you go through the hard passages as well as the easy passages. But we'll see how this really relates to our our society today. So, if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And this time, we are going to finish chapter 1 today. Well, Lord willing. Everybody might rebel and say, hey, we want that food over there that's smelling really good. You'll have to continue this next week, bucko. But if you would, stand for the reading of the word. And if you would, we're going to start verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, Strife, deceit, evil mindedness, they're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowledge, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. With that, I think we need to pray. Father, we just thank you for, again, your word and your truth. I pray for each of us that we would glory in the fact that the light has shined in our hearts and the truth of the gospel message has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, that the purity that we have is in Christ Jesus. And Lord, that we have been delivered from such things. But we pray, Lord, that you'd give us insight and understanding, not only in our world around us, but those who struggle in these things, but also how some of us, well, all of us are guilty, even today, of some of these things. We pray, Lord, that you again would guide and direct us as we go through your word, that you would instruct us and teach us, empower us, inspire us, be obedient children. We ask these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. After reading that list, you probably, as the old saying goes, you want to go take a shower now. It's a lot of stuff there. But what we're going to do is we're going to start on 26 and we're going to back again, back up, and then go forward again. But if you will, look at verse 26. Oops, I just lost my place because I just flipped it. 26. For this reason, God gave them up. Why did God give them up? Why did he give them up to the vile passions? Well, look over back to verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And godliness, again, remember, is the absence of God in thought or action. Unrighteousness is the acts towards others for their own benefit and pleasure. Now, if you look at verse 21, we see the digression that happens. I know we've been over this several times, but again, it's it's important to go over it again. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify or honor Him as God, nor were they thankful. They weren't thankful for what God has given them, but became futile in their thoughts. It's empty or void of any thought towards God or truth. came food in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. See the progression? You leave God out, what happens is you become void of truth, of light, of truth. Um, I don't know if you've ever, <laughs> it's funny that I say this, but this is, this is an old guy, but, but uh, some of us older guys definitely know who it is. But Francis Schaeffer wrote a book. Uh, it was about 1976, I think it was. How should we then live? And and what he did was he looked at society and the way it was going and headed. And he says this in his book. He says, here's a simple but profound rule. If there are no absolutes by which to judge society, then society is absolute. Society is left with one man or elite filling the vacuum left by the loss of the Christian conscience or God conscience, you could say, which originally gave us form and freedom in Northern Europe and in the West. In communism, the elite has won its way and rule is based upon arbitrary absolutes handed down by the elites. Absolutes can be this today and then that tomorrow. Arbitrarily, absolutes can be handed down and there is no absolute by which to judge them. Creates a vacuum. Now you can, it's basically, if you will, it's circumstantial ethics. It's what you believe in at the moment, and it's, it's fluid. You can change it. And this is where we find our society even today. Now, if you look at verse 25, again, we see that they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creation, really literally what that word means, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever and ever. Stuart Briscoe, in his commentary, and I am going to quote several people, and actually it's the preacher's commentary, he says this, Man used his God-given freedom to remake God in his own image, an act of such arrogant self-centeredness that elevated the human above the divine and placed the physical and visible above the spiritual and the invisible. Accordingly, the human heart and its lusts take precedence over the divine being and his plan. 
and physical experience become more important than spiritual realities. This can lead only to uncleanness, which will lead people to dishonor their bodies among themselves. In modern times, this has been called the sexual revolution. But it would be better if those who are living with the consequences of their actions could see through the glamour of their promiscuity something of the wrath of God and their own emptiness and loneliness and ultimate lack of satisfaction. Now, for that, we come to the passage that we've left off at. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. For this reason. Remember, God gave them up to the, really to choose for themselves. Remember the digression. They've left God out of their thought and their actions. They become devoid of truth, unthankful for what God has given. So it brings their mind to an emptiness to seek pleasure. But in that seeking, there is a progression into darkness. See, what happens in any society, and we'll talk about this some more, is that as, or any person, that more and more that you get into sin, more and more that you get into selfishness or pride, the darker it becomes. Okay? So, and that's what we see here. The vile, again, look at verse 26, gave them up to vile passions. That word vile means dishonor. Passions, that which drives or controls or motivates you to occupy the energy of thought and imagination. Really, in a nutshell, what this means is going back to just an animal nature. See, dishonoring is dishonoring. Remember, we've talked about this. What God has created you as. He created you in the image of God. But man has tried to devoid that. Because remember, in the garden... Eve was tempted by Satan that you shall be as God. And that's been really, if you will, the mindset of man ever since. Because that's Satan's ultimate goal is to be worshipped. We'll get into that some other time. But the point is, again, is so devoiding God of the truth, of his absolutes, now those absolutes become fuzzy. And it's pretty much what I desire, what I want. That's what I do. That's the human nature in the natural sense. If you're going to act like an animal. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I want sex, I have sex. If I want to steal, I steal. It's what I want. Devoid of what you want, that's not what's important. It's what I want. It's my desire. It's my need. That goes first. There's no absolute. So what happens? The women exchange the natural use. Now please do not misunderstand this because... There are those that will say that, well, what's a woman? Define a woman, right? This word, please listen to me, literally is female. God already knew this. This isn't about being a woman. This is female. There's two genders, two sexes God created, male and female. There's no definition other than the separation of those two and the definition that we understand. It's the plumbing. But it's not just the plumbing, it's the internal instincts that God has created. And remember that a man was not complete until a woman was made. It's the old joke, remember. God didn't make them Adam and Steve. He made them Adam and Eve. Because see, a man and a woman together really <laughs> is closer to the image of God. 
Because there you get the, the characteristics of God. That He's caring, that He's nurturing, that He's loving. But He's also strong. Now, again, so we see that the natural use of a woman now is exchanged. Now, why is this so important? Well, let me quote Charles Hodge, who was a professor at Princeton University, back in 1877. He says this, Now, referring to the degeneration of females among the heathen, there are always the last to be affected in the decay of morals. And their corruption is therefore proof that all virtue is now lost. A woman's concern has always been her child, children. We see it crumbling before our eyes. We see the tragedy that's happening in families that are being divided and separated because of this. Look at verse 27. Likewise, also the men, again, the male, leaving the natural use of the woman, female, burned in their lust to one another, men with men, male with male, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. There's no question about this. Know that there are churches that are embracing this, but it's going against the counsel, the word, and the truth of God. No, that's what we're about here, right? We want to know what God says. It's not about how I feel. We don't want to be devoid of God and His truth. We want to be in His truth. We want to be in His will. Why? Because we understand something that, as we'll get into this, that we've been delivered. We don't celebrate a lifestyle. We don't celebrate, and again, it's not just this sin. We're going to go through a list here. But sin is sin, and that's what Christ came to deliver us from, is sin. But we see again, we see the male with the male, but there's a penalty, a result, a conclusion to pay for. Well, it's Galatians, if you will. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit... The will of the Spirit reaps everlasting life. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, what is the penalty that they have paid for? Threefold, if you will. And it's, again, I'm just shortening this up quickly. One is psychologically. Amongst homosexuals, depression and suicidal thoughts and actions run rapidly. Drug and alcohol addictions. But also something happens physically. And God speaks of this too. I won't go into detail. But they become more effeminate. They also become filled with anger and hate. Even a militant to those who oppose. Oh, we see two examples in the Bible. But again, let me just give you one. In Genesis, it says, Now, before they lay down the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they said, Stand back to Lot, this one who came to stay here. And he keeps aching, acting as a judge, excuse me, acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man, Lot, 
and came near to break down the door. But the men, the angels, reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house and shut the door. It's interesting, they become militant about what they desire to do. They oppose anybody that would oppose them. In hatred. Now, understand something. Do you expect anything less from somebody that's in sin? That's devoid of truth. See, what we have to understand too is that they are trapped in their sin. Not to hate them. That's not a place in the church at all. Hatred is never right for us as Christians, except for one thing. So we hate injustice, and we hate the sin itself and what it does. To our family members, to society. But there's also a penalty they pay physically. And really, we don't have to go too far and just say monkeypox is the latest. AIDS was in the past. Oh, it's still here, actually. Excuse me. And a host of other venereal diseases. Why? Because they don't live in peace, folks. They live in torments. They have so many partners that their bodies cannot even fight off the different, if you will, chemicals that enter their bodies. Typically, it's overwhelming for their immune system. But also, society-wise, society suffers. I'm going to quote three. First, again, is Francis Schaeffer. He says this. He quotes Edward Gibbon. He was the author who wrote Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. said that the following five attributes marked Rome at its end. First, a mounting love of show and luxury, that is affluence. Second, a widening gap between the very rich and the very poor. And this could be among countries in the family of nations as well as in the single nation. Third, the obsession with sex. Fourth, freakishness in the arts masquerading as originality. And enthusiasms pretending to be creativity. Fifth, an increased desire to live off the state. Scary, isn't it? We could check off every single one of those in our country right now. Now, John Corson also quotes Gibbon. And his quote is, The historian and scholar who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire makes the case that the years before Rome fell, 14 of the 15 emperors were homosexuals. Not only were they homosexuals, but they appointed homosexual generals and commanders. According to Gibbons, this was a major reason for the the forces no longer had the will to fight. The army broke down. The Visigoths stormed in. The empire fell. Thus, history verifies that something happens not only Psychologically, not only physiologically, but psychologically, sociologically, to any culture that persists in aberrant behavior. What do we see in America right now in our military? See, it takes away the will of fight. There's something about that God, again, intuitively put into man. See, we are, as they say, hunters and gatherers, but we're also protectors. 
you might find this hard to believe, but if there's a noise in my house, I do not send my wife out with a baseball bat. I go out. And I'm sure you can say the same with your husbands too. Wives. Why? Because it's natural. It's what we do. But see, you take away, if you will, the masculinity. Then what's it for? What am I doing? That's what, really, if you look at it too, is females being in the military. And don't get me wrong, there are those females that can do it. There are. But I shudder to think my daughter holding on to a to an assault rifle in the army. She can barely let a bug go by without if I squish on it, she yells at me. I was just telling this story the other day. Remember one time because she was going out for basketball, so, so we went out the backyard to play basketball, and there was a cricket on the court, and I was about ready to take the ball and do what a boy does. Poop, poop. And she's going, no! And she goes over there and picks up the cricket and puts it in the grass. Why? Because that's the sweetness and that's the beauty of girls. My eldest son would have not even thought twice. It's on his court. Would have bounced the ball about 50 times on it and then shot it in the hoop and laughed and then probably picked it up and slam dunked it. Point is, is again, God made us different for a reason. And when society doesn't see that, then I shudder to think of the danger. The last I'll quote from this is Stuart Briscoe, again, the commentary, preacher's commentary. He says, two things, freedom and pleasure, captivate the thinking of the people of Rome. Their freedom safeguarded by their remarkable armies were spent in pleasure. The more free they felt, the more pleasure they desired. And as freedom and pleasure reigned hand in hand, ironically, both freedom and pleasure were forging their own chains. They became slaves to freedom and bondage to pleasure. Freedom must be protected, but pleasure distracts from the disciplines of protection. So freedom perishes. Pleasure needs satisfying, but the search for new satisfaction becomes a burden that denies freedom. Believing that life was to be found in self-produced freedom and self-gratifying pleasure, the Romans, like many succeeding generations, exchanged the truth of God for the lie. The lie being that man has his own destiny in his own hands and is capable of providing the good life for himself. Now, I know that this seems very, very discouraging, but don't worry. It gets even more discouraging, so hold on to your seats. Remember, this is what we do. We go through the Bible, even through the hard passages. Now, if you will, since you're so excited, before we eat that scrumptious food out there, look at verse 28. And even they did not like to retain God, or if you will consider, they had to answer God. They didn't like to retain this, though, in their knowledge. God gave them over to what they wanted, a debased mind. Those things which are not fitting. The base means implies a loss of position, worth, and value, or dignity. Uh, that's the New King James. In the King James, it's, it's translated reprobate. And that means to condemn strongly as unworthy, unacceptable, or evil. 
In the NIV, it uses the word depraved. It implies moral deterioration by evil thoughts or influences. Meaning they became so wicked in their minds and their thoughts and their actions. Does this sound a little familiar? Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then he told Noah to build an ark. Saying, preacher, give us some good news. Not yet. Look at verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. There are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. I like to read that in the New Living Translation, if you would. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, and are heartless and unforgiving. There. Go better? No? In Genesis 18.20, the Lord said to Abraham, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave. It's the reason I've come to judge them. In Jude 1.7 it says that Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth in an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And again, we look at our own society and say, <gasps> look at verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I left it here. Not one of us would walk out of here really feeling a desire to eat if that was the end of the story. But see, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined, Isaiah 9 2 says. In John 8.12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Paul says, I've come 
as a preacher to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul goes on to say, Whose mind the God of this age, Satan, has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5, 8, or excuse me, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. See, we're all guilty of this. Oh, maybe you have, don't have any tendencies for homosexuality, but if you go through this list, honestly, every one of us have committed these sins. And Jesus even says if you lust or if you think of these things in your heart, then you've sinned. And that's the deception the enemy wants us to hold us down. Even some of us as believers, you're guilty, you're guilty. And even some of you, their faces, the look on your face, if I took a picture of it, you'd be going, oh my, was that really looking like that? But this is horrible. Yes, it's horrible. That's why we just celebrated Easter. It's good news. Why? Because without Him, we are all in darkness. Amen? The light has shined. We've seen that light. In fact, Paul goes on to put it this way. He says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Stay in the light. Don't go to the darkness. Understand that this is what you were. You're not that anymore. Regardless of how you feel. But still we have to look at verse 32. Notice something. It's something we have to look at. This is where it gets hard. All this other stuff. We're clean. We're delivered. We're free. Each one of us. Because of Christ Jesus. What He's done. But I want you to notice something in verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. See, that's what society is trying to get us to do is to accept them. To accept the sin. To be tolerant. 
say you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and still sin, where Scripture says exactly the opposite. But there's another way to say this too, if you will. Is that we allow and accept and approve of these things on a day-to-day basis. See, the enemy likes to do, and we talked about this last week, is in the mind is to get us to think a certain way by showing it in our day and age over and over and over again. See, we have to sit down and be honest with each other about something. Is that we watch violence on television all the time. We watch deceit in the movies constantly. We watch adultery constantly in television, movies, books. And you can't nowadays watch a show without some form of homosexuality. The enemy knows this. See, he's trying to reprogram even believers. And having this glossy look on our face as we look at the big screen because we're being entertained. And we're all guilty of it. There's not one of us that doesn't watch something. Advocates these things. We watch it and we say, well, I'm not watching that. I'm watching this. But you can't help but see that. And how many times have you looked at the, the girl and say, oh, ditch this guy. He doesn't understand. You're not really believed, but still you're emotionally you're in it. And you're saying, oh, ditch this guy. That other guy's better. Leave your husband. Oh, that guy loves you so much. And you don't even know that you're doing that. And guys, I would say every single one of us, why is it there are always pretty girls up there? Because the enemy knows. Hollywood knows. You can't take your eyes off her. Every one of us. Am I saying this to convict us? No, I'm saying this for all of us to say, okay, what's really important in our lives? Because see, Paul goes on to say this. He says, all things are lawful for me. In that same verse that says, you've been delivered. In verse 12, he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I think we can all feel the gravitational pull the world has on all of us in this day and age. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. But you can definitely make a stand. Each one of us. What is it the Lord would have us do in our own lives of making sure that these things are not influencing us? Because see, if we're going to be honest, we're all 
struggling with this. What is it we need to do? Because see, we are not void of God. But He allows us. Because He's a good, good Father. You sing it. We know it. And see, he, he allows it because He wants us to come to the understanding of, what are you watching? Just like right now. For all of us. Remember, I'm the one that puts these messages together. It's not like I'm going, oh, I'm going to get them this time, Lord. It's like, oh, goodness, Lord. It's only but by the grace of God. For all of us. But see, you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You're children of light. Oh, how the enemy likes to dimmer the switch. And isn't that what we do when we watch the movies and the TV show? We just dimmer the switch. Or turn it all off. And the only light that we have shining back at us is that blue tube. Or it's the small screen. One thing that has come to be with the internet is that man has definitely looked into everything and continues to seek into darker, darker, darker things. And if you think it's going to get better, listen to the words of Jesus. Towards the end days, he says, Likewise, it will also be in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Thanks, preach. That just encouraged us. No, but it does. It's like, wait a minute, pull, pull the veil. Let's just yank it. Come on, man. I know it's going to hurt us. Let's just yank it for a second. God has a timetable on this earth. We're the light of this earth. Now, you might be saying, but I'm not doing anything. Listen to me. God in His perfect plan and purpose for each of us has a time and a place every day. You don't know what that is. I've come to learn something in my old age, something. Sometimes, you know what the Lord just wants me to do? Is maybe just mow the lawn, do the bills, do those things I'm supposed to do. Because we're to occupy until He comes. But it's also the understanding of like Nehemiah. With a trap in one hand, I'm building a wall. With the other one, I have a sword. And it's the Word of God. And I recognize that I am called to a different place, a different world. This is not my home. And it's something nowadays we have to keep reminding ourselves more and more. You are not of this world. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. There's a light shining out of you. You don't even know it. 
God loves you so much and we've gone over this and it's something we all have to keep reminding ourselves. Because when you go over that list, you feel guilt. You feel conviction. But you have to come to the realization, oh, it's grace. And it's His love for you. And it's His desire for each of us. Keep going. I'm with you. I am your shepherd. Even through that valley of darkness, I will see you through. But my sheep hear my voice. And it's time for us to hear His voice. And even those other areas, Especially now. Well, this I leave you with one verse. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verses three through five. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. With that, think this through with me. What we spend our time entertaining ourselves with, does it dim our ability to think? If you're like me, many times that I'm watching TV is because I'm tired. I'm tired physically, I'm tired emotionally, I'm tired intellectually, I just want to sit there and stare at a blue tube. For the most part, it can be okay. If I'm careful. But I found one thing usually leads to another. But I'm just sitting there blindly looking at it. I have to say no. I have to take those thoughts captive and realize I will not be under the power of anything. I am a child of God. And I'm turning this off. I'm changing this. I'm not watching this. I'm not partaking of this. I'm not listening to this. What is that in your life? What is that in my life? And it's with an understanding too that Again, that God desires to implant in you the truth of Him and His Word daily. And if my mind is shut off, then the enemy has a good chance and opportunity to throw those fiery darts and they hit. That's why, again, we understand that we will take every thought into captivity. I will not be brought under the power of any of these things. That I've been sanctified. That I've been washed. My last thought to you all is this. Remember, this is not to speak so against homosexual community. Homosexuality is like any other sin. The sad part of it is, though, it's usually at the tail end of any society or even can be a person because of sexual perversion. The decadence, but only but by the grace of God can it be turned around.
So they need to, we need to be praying for them. Not being angry at them. That they would come to the light. So let's pray for them right now. And for ourselves. Father, we just lift up just how the society is promoting homosexuality, where your word clearly states that it is in darkness, it's sexual perversion, and it separates them from you. Lord, we just pray for these people that they would come to an understanding that your light would shine on them, that they would see the truth of their sin, that they would see the deliverance that is in Christ Jesus, and that they would come to the light and that they would turn from their sin and come to Christ Jesus. Lord, we lift them up that they would come to a place of understanding, especially in so many different churches, that a church that is embracing homosexuality is not a church. I don't know what it is, Lord, but it's not a church of Christ. And we just pray conviction be upon them that they would cry at Your altar. They would look to You as their Savior. And Father, as we've gone over this list, none of us are innocent of this. If we're just partaking of watching, we ask, Lord, that You would give us, Lord, clarity of mind, help us to stop giving excuses, and help us to make wise decisions. Because we are washed, and we are sanctified. We've been delivered from these sins. And there's no reason, Lord, to partake in any way that there's a possibility that the enemy would get a foothold in our lives. Help us to take every thought captive. Help us to analyze it through your word and the discernment of your spirit. And Lord, we all ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 